All right, welcome into Dog Central on a Thursday. I am Graham Coffey. This is Josh Hancher. Uh, we are here. Man, it's already week three. It feels like we just started the uh, the season, but uh, we finally have some, some conference football happening in Athens and uh, some good games across the rest of the country that we're going to talk about after we break down Georgia, South Carolina. Josh, how are you doing? How are you feeling? What you know? What's the I'm, vibe? I'm pretty excited to get a good you know uh, a good team to play. We get to see a little bit of what we're made of this year. There's a lot of question marks. I mean, there's been the games have been you know easy and and the competition's been pretty lacking. But uh, mm-hmm. South Carolina is playing. I mean, they're one and one. They beat Furman and lost pretty badly to North Carolina. But uh, I still think they kind of have. Maybe a little better than I thought. They've still got their problems are what we knew they were, but Rattler seems to be playing or has the potential to to elevate his game a little bit under the circumstances, what he's got to work with. So I'm excited yeah. to actually see an SEC game. Yeah, I mean, you're, that's where I feel like this whole thing starts and ends in a way. This game is Spencer Rattler, right? Like he is playing inspired football. Um, he really is. I think he was 25 for 28 this past week. Um Hasn't thrown an interception yet this year, despite being under a lot of pressure. Um, just he's making good decisions that he maybe didn't make in the past. And uh, him and him and Xavier Leggett seem to really have a uh, kind of a shorthand with each other, um, so to speak. Like Leggett is leading the SEC in a lot of receiving categories. Um, 296 yards with 15 receptions on 17 targets. And, uh, you know, I always am a yard per route run nerd. He's got a 4.35 yards receiving per route run so far this year, which is uh, basically 4.0 is like the the benchmark of extremely, extremely elite in that stat. Like uh, Jalen Hyatt was the only SEC receiver up over 4.0 last year, if I'm not mistaken. So – um yeah you- i mean and yeah, exactly i mean and antoine wells juice wells was one of the hyped players mm-hmm. one of the few players from south Carolina the roster that was on the sec uh media team preseason and some say he might have been able to even go pro last year but he's back and then so he's not off to a good start which probably means they're you know, i think he's hurt oh uh, is he hurt well yeah. i mean it, regardless you've got leggett who's stepping up and that's what you as a South Carolina fan would hope that if your star's not there, your star's not well, your star's not playing well, you got somebody there. And yeah, I mean, and, and there was a, I was in the comments of a Spurs up show and kind of breaking down the two wide receiver rooms and, you know, and South Carolina fans are pretty excited about what they've got. And they said, and uh, they were saying, well, look at Georgia's room is deep. It, it is, but uh, it's, you know, it's still early, but I mean, South Carolina's wide receiver core is productive. Um, if not deep, um, it's definitely productive. Like you said, I mean, like it's gone bonkers to start the year. Yeah. And I mean, you know, the interesting thing too, is just the number of guys who are normally when you call an offense gimmicky, it kind of comes off insulting and I'm not, I'm not doing that right here. Like it's just, if you look at South Carolina's roster and these skill position guys, there are dudes all over the place that used to play like another position, right? Um, To carry on Joyner was a four-star dual threat quarterback out of Charleston coming out of high school. Now he plays running back, but it wasn't that long ago 
two, you know, less than two full years ago, he was nine of nine passing for 160 yards and a touchdown in the Mayo bowl against UNC, right? Like he can throw the ball and they can do some things with, you know, throwback passes and different sort of trickeration. Um, you got Luke Doty, who was the starting quarterback for the Gamecocks when Georgia came to Columbia in 2020. Now he's a wide out uh, playing in the slot mostly. And last week he had five receiving snaps with a 36 yard touchdown catch against uh, Wofford. No, who did they play? Furman. Furman. I'm sorry, not Wofford. Furman. Those are two, those two are easy to confuse. Pardon me. Um, Furman, Wofford, Presbyterian. You're all yeah. Right. Yeah. The blue hose. Yeah. Uh, the Citadel, you know, Citadel's a little more military ish, but uh, lots of small private schools in South Carolina and uh he also had three catches on three targets for 41 yards against UNC. So, you know, we, we've seen Doty, Doty do it against some uh, solid competition. They got the Nicholas Harbor kid who really hasn't done much yet, but, like, was the number one recruit in the country to some people. 6'5", 240-plus pounds, and ran a 10.2-second 100-meter in high school. Like, absolute athletic, you know – one of one top 0.001% athlete on the face of planet earth could probably, if he wanted to be, you know, go off and be like the next Usain Bolt, but he's playing, uh, he's playing wide receiver in Columbia, South Carolina. So um, there's weapons, but you know, Leggett seems to be, I mean, Leggett's definitely the, the main focal point. Nobody else on that roster has, uh, over 90 yards so far this year. Like, there's guys that have some chunk plays and have made some key plays, but, you know, Leggett's sitting here with 296 yards, and uh, that's a good thing because this running game has been pretty woof, um, like extremely woof. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, they are – let's see here. Uh, so, against – UNC uh, to carry on Joiner, who's the number one back. He had 12 carries for 23 yards. Uh, I did a little research last night to give you a picture on how poor his blocking help was. He had 24 yards after contact in a game where he had 23 yards rushing total. So he was on average being hit basically right at slight, slash slightly behind the line of scrimmage. Um, yeah, I mean, even – against Furman, they haven't really been able to run around the edges. Uh, they, they had some success kind of leading on smaller FCS defensive tackles up the middle. But, like, the, the run game, I, I don't expect them to have much success on Saturday, do you? Uh, I wouldn't expect them to try to I don't. I mean, they're not, they're not going to try to impose their will on the Georgia run uh, run defense. I think mm -hmm. they're going to. Um, they're certainly going to run it to keep us honest, but I think they're going to you know get the ball out of uh, Rattler's hands quickly. Um, give the guys hopefully the 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 ball with some space and make some plays, and uh, and then hopefully try to bust some over the top. Um, basically, going to put it in Rattler's hands. You know, I don't know. That's got to be their game plan. Um, and you know, they, I think it's about getting the ball quickly, uh, and out of, you know, getting the ball to the playmaker's hands quickly and not trying to do it between the tackles for sure. Um, you know, I think you've got some plays that we're going to look at later where the running backs are, you know, the wheel routes are going to be in play and getting mm -hmm. the ball and to stream passes to the 
running backs and then also getting the balls to their uh, to, to Leggett and uh, some of their other uh, receivers. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about just kind of the statistical matchup in this game before we jump into these plays real quick. Um, you've been putting together these beautiful PDFs, uh, and you've been kind enough to share them over on Dog Central with the community there, and uh, everybody's been really fired up about just, you know, the stuff looks gorgeous. It's clean. You got the heat charts and everything going on here. Um, what kind of stands out to you statistically about this matchup? Um, certainly the defense is has been uh, a problem spot so far. Um, they're averaging over 40% success rate on defense, um, and that's not good. You know, you want to you want to see that number low, low 40s, if not under 40% success rate, and that's with – um, you know, they played a good North Carolina team, but that's also playing a Furman team. Um, they're averaging 5.8 yards for play. And that EPA, which basically is um, sort of an explosive rating, means it's, it's a pretty high number. Again, you want to see that in the low ones under, a, you know, 1.100. Um, so they're, they've given up big plays uh, and, and they've given them at a high frequency. Um, that's what that uh, Georgia offense versus South Carolina defense looks like to me. Um, and certainly that passing game metric is, you know, um, 47% success rate is not good. So it should be there. Georgia should be able to move the ball on them. Um, and the offense on the other side, if you want to look at that offense over there, you see where the blue is. If blue is good. Red is bad on these charts. Like mm-hmm. you said, the heat map. Yeah. That, the passing game has been, you know, clip going great for the, uh, Game Cox there. I mean, nine point yards per play and a five two four EPA. That's that's stout <laughs> uh, for um, for some me- passing metrics and stuff. But yeah, look at that defensive. I mean, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Look at that rushing offense there. Yeah, three point three yards per play um, and a sub forty percent success rate. So yeah, they're going to be passing explosive rate too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's. I mean, Georgia's defense there is has been. You know, it's against pretty. Uh, you know, it's TBD on when we see see a team that's better uh, roster than the two they've seen so far. But yeah, they're, they're picking up where they've left off. I mean, these numbers, you know, there is, you know, these numbers are going to stick. You know, they're new players every year, but there is a there is a Georgia's defense uh, run defense is not going to change dramatically overnight, depart, just even with new personnel. So, um, yeah, points to the thing. Yeah, this ball is going to be put in uh, Spencer Rattler's hands for sure. And you know, it seems like. Uh, the interesting thing about South Carolina is even with as well as Rattler played last week, um, you know, going 25 for 28, like we talked about a second ago, and I think he had 340 something yards, if I'm not mistaken, 345 yards, three touchdowns on 25 of 27 passing again, no, uh, no INTs yet this year, man, this game that they were playing against Furman at home, you know, they give up a six play 68 yard touchdown drive uh, early in the first quarter and then they match it. And then Furman comes right back with a, you know, with a, a drive of their own again, 11 play 66 yards and five Oh four to go up 14, seven Rattler and co come back on a 75 yard, 10 play drive. And then, you know, they hit Luke Doty uh, on a 36-yard pass with 43 seconds left in the second quarter to make it 20-14, to 14, and somehow they got the ball back and scored again. 
on a 75 yard drive to end the half. Uh, they, I, I went back and watched it. There was this crazy uh, kind of play where the pocket broke down and Rattler rolled out right and launched like, I shit you not, like a 60 yard dart off his back foot down the sideline to, to leg it. And, and then they scored, I think, a touchdown in the next play. Um, point being, they were in a dogfight with Furman for for a half, basically. And Graham, if you want to search, I believe there's the Furman box advanced box score that's in that data too, and you can see that actually in the the win probability there in the mid second quarter um, actually favored Furman, and you'll again see that explosive run rate for South Carolina was one point four. Would that be in the top or the bottom here? It'd be down at the bottom. Okay. At, the, at the end of that document, I believe I believe I put those in there. But I think it, it might matter. be the other document that you're talking about. Okay, if I did, I apologize. I thought I included no, the box scores, but uh, yeah, I mean they they the the running game actually had a better game versus North Carolina deferment. So um, and yeah, the, the win probability, um, will, you know, actually, like I said, that game was fourteen fourteen at one point and showed some uh, that it was a fifty fifty game versus Furman mid second quarter, and they they got it together and they they won decisively, but it was. You know, they still – and that's why you're seeing Spencer Rattler throw 28 times in a game versus the Furman. They're still – they want to get as much, um, you know, as many reps as they can for, for that offense because, like you said, they're piecemealing it at, at, on some levels with, you know, players playing different positions and just trying to figure out what they got, which is not what we're seeing out of Georgia. Georgia knows what they've got. You know, they're spreading the ball around to a bunch of players, getting everybody involved, but we're going to start to see what the – is sort of the core contributors uh, in this SEC game coming up Saturday. Oh, dear. <laughs> Just knocked my yeah. camera over. <laughs> no worries. Um, let's get to the place. A little bit of a... What's that? You got some... Yeah, let's, you, go, you... let's go to the place. Um, yeah, the last thing I was going to say was just, uh, you know, it's it's interesting that – South Carolina, you know, all the things we just said, but there is a little bit of curiousness of like, will Georgia struggle a little bit here? Um, just because of the amount of, I, I think there's like maybe a little PTSD of Georgia against Ohio state and them facing a, a really good passing offense, you know, and I don't know that South, South Carolina is not that I can promise you that, but they, we still just haven't seen this, secondary with a lot of new faces against a, a team that's going to stress them at all on the back end yet. But yeah, let's get into the plays. Okay. Um, ready to rock here. So this first drive of the game, you got third and 12 and UNC uh, is going to get pressure with just three pass rushers. Rattler makes kind of a risky throw there. Um, doesn't pay for it. So the, the point of that clip is just to let you know that, Hey, uh, Carolina sacked Spencer Rattler eight times. Um, he had 15 dropbacks where he didn't even throw the ball in this game because uh, he was under such duress. And then he also had, uh, I believe it was 25 or no, 27 total dropbacks. He was under pressure against UNC. So under pressure a lot. Uh, here, right tackle. The tackle spot is a problem for these guys right now, and the right tackle is just going to fail to set the edge on the run. Uh, we just talked about, you You know, USC has not been able to run the ball here. You're going to see that. <laughs> um, moving forward, 
to third and nine. That's going to come up here in a second. Um, so Rattler, this is a this is a dime right here. Like two two rushers in his face puts it you know puts the ball between two defensive backs. Like this is why we're praising him. He's doing this not out of clean pockets, but under duress. And there's some good reverse angle here. I'm surprised that wasn't a targeting or not a targeting, but a, a roughing the passer. Um, again, you're you're gonna get pressure on him if you want it, but. He's also going to make plays with guys in his face. His leg is Yeah, dude. I mean, this is what Georgia's got to deal with. He's six, three and a half, six, four, and he's 219. He's a big body, and he'll go and get those up in the air. Like, that's a beautiful catch. And you know that's that's going to be Kamari Lassiter on Saturday. That's more Leggett. You know they'll work him across the middle. Like this whole offense is kind of running through him right now. No exaggeration. It, that was him. That was Leggett on the block out on the uh, out on the perimeter here. And you got a. Uh, you got the screen pass. The, the slot receiver they have, uh, I can't pronounce his first name, but his last name is Brown. And he's shifty with the ball in his hand. He's another one of those like 5'8", five, 5'9", five, kind of guys who they'll uh, they'll get into – get out into space and just let them work. And Georgia's going to have to be good in the screen game because um, South Carolina, like we just talked about, they can't really run the ball from traditional designed runs. So this is an extension of a run game. And – they do have some receivers who can block well on the perimeter. That's a matchup to watch. More uh, South Carolina run getting blown up. This play in particular, uh, I picked out because the tight end Trey Knox. He just gets, he just Sorry. gives up inside leverage. Oh, you're good. You're fine. Um, they'll see it in a second. Yeah, he just gives up the inside on the snap and. This plays over from the start. You might remember Knox. He played for Arkansas for four years, and he's a good receiving tight end. Um, he's a much, much better pass blocker than he is a run blocker. And so they're going to need him to help in the pass block side of things, but they have to put him out there and run, or it's going to be too obvious, the tendencies. Uh, more Spencer Rattler getting knocked out. And, I mean, that's a six-man rush by UNC. Like, so point being – Carolina did bring – like, Georgia's not often bringing six guys. If they're bringing pressure, they're usually bringing five. But they do this a lot. This is a simulated pressure where they, they stack a bunch of dudes up at the line of scrimmage pre-snap, make it look like they're going to blitz six, seven guys, and then they're going to drop some of these guys off the, off the edge. And that's – a lot of Rattler's completions are coming down low underneath, and so I expect you'll see this a lot from Georgia on Saturday – where they're going to drop guys into coverage like this and just uh, just try to confuse all the lanes for him and not give him these easy seven, eight-yard completions in between the, the hashes. Um, that's going to be the, the game plan, if, if I had to guess. Um, so let's look at their defense. Uh, they got ran on pretty well by Carolina. Um, it doesn't really show up in the box score because UNC got up 17 in the 
early in the third and kind of hid away from them. But bad tackling up front here. You know, I mean, that's a not a 50-yard run, but it's just like those those things will matter, especially in a game like this against Georgia where they have such small margin for error. Yeah, I mean, that's the difference between, you know, a, a 38% success rate and a 42 that could be, you know, one more drive, one more set of downs or whatever that can cost you – uh, snaps on your defense and, and, you know, not be able to, to finish the fourth quarter for sure. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Carolina ran it 38 times against them, which basically said, you know, we can do this efficiently against you, but uh tight end scene there off of a little fake bubble screen action. Um, just obviously Georgia's got a tight end. That's pretty good. <laughs> uh, this is a matchup I'm watching a lot is how Georgia will pick on these linebackers. Uh, if you, if you don't mind going back one play there uh, to that third and four. South Carolina's linebackers have been targeted 14 times this year, and they've given up 14 receptions. Now, uh, double zero is Debo Williams. He's doing a better job, but that's Stone Blanton right there. That's the guy I'd pick on if I can get – you know, if I can line Dylan Bell in the backfield and get him on – stone blanton then i might have six you know or same with cash jones for that matter like that that's somebody that if georgia can spread carolina out and force those guys to play man coverage they will have a huge advantage here uh this was something else that so uh usc lost nick nick Ibamori, who's a really really good safety uh first drive of this game to a hamstring or a foot or something like that um they UNC to work these corner routes a lot where they just they just basically took their their inside receivers and worked them towards the sidelines and forced those safeties to play man coverage and basically created leverage issues for those safeties in their pre-snap alignments. And Carson Beck's got the arm to do that type of game plan as well. Um, here you're gonna see Keenan Nelson Jr. Um that's him, number 18, right there. I don't know if they'll actually play him against Georgia because uh, they, they tried some different things against Wofford. He got hurt a little bit. I don't think it's major, but uh, UNC really picked on him. Uh, he gave up two touchdowns against Carolina. Like, that's a – Georgia's going to work the slots if he's out of there. Um, here, again – uh, talking about the run game, but specifically the right side of the offensive line, Carolina had a lot of success going off the right side. Uh, you, you see Georgia kind of found something off the right side late in the game last week. They started running off the right side behind Mims and Ratledge a lot, and I think they kind of know that's where to go if they need to run the ball successfully and – that's also sort of the left side of Carolina's defensive line is what you want to run against. Um, here you get the the same kid, 18 and coverage, Keenan Nelson. Um, and it's just tight end, or I'm not sure if that's her tight end or if he's just a big lanky slot receiver. This is a crazy throw by Drake May, but um, just struggles to find the ball in the air, not super composed pretty normal for a young corner um but they you know and then uh it looks like we got our our mitch jeter onside kick here um 
Yeah, it's coming up. Sorry. No, you're good. Yeah, out of practice. Here it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, look, Shane has uh, adopted the Beamer Ball moniker that his father made famous at Virginia Tech in the 90s and early 2000s. Um, he is going to try and create. Oh, you can show that too. That's a. Or wait, no. Never mind. Yeah, that's a. Uh, interesting. You're good. Yeah. But uh, just again, uh, trying to drive home the point of big runs off the right side. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's Carolina. Uh, they ran a fake punt against Georgia last year successfully, and they're probably going to try and steal a possession in this game. It's, you know, they're a lot, and a lot of teams are going to try and steal possessions against Georgia this year. They're going to have to. So um, I expect that. We'll ah, see. Make me small, Grant. <laughs> make me. I got you. <laughs> the horror. <laughs> um, yeah so i mean you know if if you're like i i typed up like six pages of uh player and scheme notes that are on the dog central subscribers forum right now um honestly uh, probably spent too t- too much time doing it but uh you know it was first conference game of the year i was fired up for it so, um, for anybody, anybody that knows me and knows that I'm working with you has commented on your 12 takeaways and your deep dive. So I think you better keep it up. No pressure. All right. Fair enough. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think for me, just sort of looking at this game, um, those are kind of the key things that, that stood out to me. Um, you know, I, I thought, you know, we talked all this about South Carolina's passing offense and how good they've been. I do think in reality, you know, the what's fascinating is Rattler's got 83 dropbacks this year and only 11 of those are off play action because their run game is so bad that they, and their offensive line has been so suspect that they can't even really run play action. And so, um, a lot of this stuff for Carolina really comes down to like, you know, underneath, 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 like they're going to try and hit legged on some, some deep 50, 50 shots for sure. But uh, the way that they're going to stay on schedule in this game is like, you know, working Trey Knox behind the linebackers and working these screens and short stuff and just try to get, you know, four yards on first down and because they were behind the sticks all night against UNC. Yeah, that was a tough game for that offense to with, you know, with all the O-line stuff. It's a it's a tough matchup facing Drake May and, and, you know, a pretty elite offense or bordering on elite offense. So I was not I had I was on North Carolina for that game um, and I was was on the. I was on the South Carolina under for the season, but um, we'll find out, you know, they've got, if they can, you know, if they've got Leggett and they can get Juice Wells back and they can continue to be creative and Spencer can continue to improve. And I mean, he was a a sub 70 PFF graded player last year. So if he's mid seventies, that's a huge jump and can be uh, problematic for, you know, hopefully not Saturday, but could be problematic for some SEC teams going forward. I mean, right now he's got an offensive grade of uh, 86.1 from PFF yeah. and a passing grade of 82.6. Like, he's he's playing really, really well. Um, 
you know, I think there's some things that he's gotten away with while under pressure and on the run against some less talented secondaries that I don't know you can get away with against Georgia. Um, so, you know, that's, that's going to be interesting, but at, at the end of the day, like, like we said a second ago, um, just the, the pass blocking was so poor. I mean, seven, seven pressures from the left tackle position against UNC, like that's his blind side. Um, and they played two different guys there. One gave up three, the other gave up four, like, Every starting offensive lineman for Carolina gave up at least three pressures uh, against against UNC. So it's just like there's not really a safe spot. Um, I'm sure they'll get Trey Knox to help out. You know, there, there's going to be some things I'm sure they try to do. But uh, Georgia's defensive line really, I think, has an opportunity to kind of make a statement in this game. And, um, you know, we, we talked a lot. There's – you know, Nolan Smith talked a lot during his draft interview process of like Georgia playing the run with a light box and being able to control the run with a light box so that they can have enough guys to commit to the back end against more explosive passing offenses. And this is one of those games where Georgia should be able to play, you know, five, six and maybe even sometimes five uh, up front in the box, control South Carolina's run game. And, you know, instead of having to always man up in different situations in the secondary, they can play some zone coverage on the back end. They can keep two high safeties back there. Um, big storyline for me in this game is Javon Bullard. Is he is he healthy or not? You know, because yeah, they're going to take shots. Yeah, and also I think setting the edge – uh, they're not going to try to run between the tackles. They're not going to run into the teeth, teeth of a uh, even a light box defense. Uh, they're they're going to go at the edges. They're going to get their running backs and their wide receivers out there. It's been, you, they're going to move the pocket. They're they're going to attack the, uh, away from the strength of that defense, and then maybe soften it up the middle. So they're going to need some good edge play. They're going to need some good uh, linebacker play um, in coverage, and um, you know that's that's what I expect to. I mean, they're not going to beat their head against the wall trying to run the ball up the middle. So, um, you know, I, <clears throat> but also I think, you know, Georgia can continue to keep a very low success rate on, on, um, to the South Carolina offense, you know, it's like limit the snaps on the drives. I mean, I do think that the pressure will mount and they're going to force some mistakes into from Spencer Rattler and, uh, wh- whoever's in the secondary should have some opportunity to make some plays. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so what is your, kind of final analysis score prediction for this game um i'm i'm like in 31 10 kind of game uh i think it'll be decisive for georgia huh yeah a little low scoring i just think that the possessions are i think they're going to run the ball a little more and i think there's just not going to be an urgency to or you know i think georgia's going to be in control of the game um uh you know i can see a 21 7 17 7 halftime score and then just a uh, you know, a shutdown defense, get on the bus uh, second half. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I think Georgia is going to have success controlling this offense. Uh, I think that they're going to hit some plays at some point because they just kind of got to, um, you know, it, it may feel similar to kind of what we saw Bama do against Texas, where it's just like sort of 40 yard bomb or bust at times. Um because they just don't, you know, I mean, Rattler's got the ability to make shorter throws, but uh, you can't, it's just so hard to beat Georgia 
trying to gain four yards every play down the field, you know, like nobody's really ever been able to do that since Kirby's gotten there and gotten the program, you know, kind of rolling the way he has. Um, what's going to be, uh, you know, the, the thing to watch for me is just, you know, kind of how, how easily Georgia gets pressure. Like we were talking about. Um, I do think we'll see Carolina, maybe move the ball between the 20s some, but the thing that really stood out to me about that UNC game, man, they had 11 scoring opportunities in that game. 11 times they got inside the 40, and they averaged 1.55 points per a scoring opportunity. So, like, every time the field shrank, they didn't have any answers. Um, Dow Loggins is the offensive coordinator there now, and God knows he's – you know, he's obviously not working with a great offensive line or anything like that, but like, just like thinking about Kirby Smart, Will Muschamp, and Glenn Schumann dialing up a game plan against Dallas Loggins is like thinking about, you know, a lion hunting down a gazelle on the plains of Africa or something. Like, it's just a, it's a mismatch that is going to end probably in a, a bloody, gory mess. So, um, I think Georgia's defense will have a good day. As well as Rattler has played, you and I have talked before. You, you're the one that taught me, truthfully, that um, these under-pressure stats from the quarterbacks, that they're subject to a high amount of variance. And he has been really good under pressure. I think that probably comes back down to earth a little bit on Saturday, maybe results in a, a turnover or two for Carolina. Um, but I'm very fascinated to see Georgia's offense in this game. Can they run the ball with some consistency? Um, was that was that North Carolina that was under the 2.0, two, two yards, uh, two points per opportunity that you said? Was, South Carolina had South, yeah, 1.5 wow. points an opportunity and 11 opportunities against you. North Car- well, North Carolina is, for the season is 2.8, 117th. So just yeah. thinking, that's not good. Not good. Especially yeah, I think I still have the – I do. I have the box score from that game pulled up on college football data still. Yeah. Points per opportunity, South Carolina, 11 opportunities, 17 points, 1.55. Yeah. yeah, 3.1 for the season, 109th in, in F- FBS. So they're actually better than North Carolina. But <laughs> slightly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, they Furman will do that for you. Um, but, yeah, on offense, man, I mean, I think Georgia's going to attack – the, the linebackers and safeties, like we talked about in the film part, um, Brock Bowers will obviously be part of that. But I, I think Oscar Delp has a big game on Saturday. I think they're going to line him up in the slot. He's going to look big. He's going to, you know, be a nice physical matchup against uh, some of those slot corners that are a little suspect, like we talked about. And I, th- I think he makes a big pass player, too. Uh We'll see some corner routes. You know, I think we'll see some misdirection type throwback stuff from Georgia, maybe on the in the screen game at some point or another. Um, I think Dylan Bell has a big game. I think he plays, you know, a, a significant amount of snaps at running back. Uh, I think De- Dejan Edwards get back gets back out there, and I think this was the game last year where Georgia kind of showed they were an elite perimeter blocking team. I think they'll get back to some of that. Whether that's Mew and Smith, I don't know, but I think they'll get some some explosive run after the catch type play on the on the edges at at one point or another, and uh, I think they roll against two overmatched lines, Georgia forty five. 
South Carolina 10. Like it. Any other games? Yeah. Let's talk about some other games. Do you have anything that you're uh, particularly interested in? Uh, one one outside the SEC is I want to see how many points Kansas can put up against Nevada. That is a huge um, – <laughs> that, that is Not a – just show that heat map there if you can I find got you. it. Uh, yeah, that's but, it right there, right? Yeah, yeah. up there. Um, yeah, uh, Nevada's down near the bottom of that heat map, and Kansas is up near the top. So um, I don't know what the total is on that, but I'm going to – I would like the over on that. Okay. This Kansas State Missouri game is going to be really good. You just you just kind of landed on that. Um, oh, sorry, I, no, it's good. I, I was good. It was one of the games I want to talk about. I, I kind of I, I, yeah, I do want to talk about that game too. What do you think I, about that game? I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a field goal game kind of thing. Field goal less than a touchdown. I think that Missouri is. Um, I, I think I, I like Missouri. I think, I think they were hit. They you know Kansas State beat them last year, and I, I think this is a better Missouri team this year and. Uh, Better on offense, certainly they're over fifty percent success rate so far, and uh, I, th- I think they're going to be. I think it's going to be a good game, uh, and I think I like I like the SEC to sort of have a bounce back weekend uh, in this game here because it's been a kind of tough out of conference schedule versus Power Five to competition for the league so far. But, yeah, I mean, so I, uh, you know, I I was the guy that voted in front of, you know, God and my mother and everybody at SEC Media Days for on Missouri finishing third in the East, which this has no bearing on that because it's not a conference game, but it would be a really nice indicator that they're capable of doing that. I think their defense is very, very good. Uh, I just, man, like, I'm, I'm you know, I've, I've been thinking about, like, what, you know, where am I going this weekend from a betting standpoint who – you know, who do I want to ride and uh, having a really, really hard time being like, I'm going to bet my own American dollars on Brady Cook, you know. Do it. I mean, Kansas State's down to a three and a half point favorite <laughs> in a game. Yeah, get getting getting points at home. I mean, yeah, but they lost. They got annihilated in this game by Kansas State last year. Although that was kind of a fluky turnover fest, I still, um, you know, I, I think this, I, I, I think I'm going to end up riding Missouri. I'll, I think I'll, Missouri's I'll, defense is so much better this year than uh, I mm-hmm. think it's going to be. It's not going to get blown out. That's my feeling on that. They may not win, but they're going to they're going to make a better showing at home with a good defense. You know, they're 31 percent success rate allowed. Uh, you, know, you know, explosive play percentage is down six percent. So, uh, and and most of those are running games, so they're not getting beat over the top. Very low EPA passing allowed. So, um, you know, I like I, I, I I'm just not sure they can win, but I, I like Missouri to, to play hard, and keep it close. Nice. Okay. Um, do you have any thoughts on uh, LSU Mississippi State? 10 I don't. Or 11 a.m., I should say. Uh, this is – I don't – I should have looked at this because right when you said that, I was like, I wonder what, if there was a look-ahead line from the summer on this game. Um, you know, It's nine and a half LSU is favored right now, which, uh, you know, is a pretty big number on the road in the SEC against a – you know, I don't know if – we don't really know if LSU is any good or Mississippi State's any good at this moment, to be honest. 
Uh, I think Mississippi State's met their sort of expectation. They got a big win the other night again. Was that that was Arizona, right? Arizona State yeah. played Oklahoma State, so that was Arizona at home. They got a big win. Like my coach Arnett dropping the f bomb in the post game on the field. That was my favorite moment of the weekend. <laughs> so uh, I just liked it. I, I, I'm kind of kind of a big fan of Arnett, you know. And I, and uh, I'm pulling for him. It's hard not to pull. Yeah. And I, I I'm just wondering, you know, but LSU's you know, got to have a bounce back game here. Um, so, you know, they put up a bunch of points versus Grambling the other day. Uh, they had a big, they're an explosive offense, right? You can see that they're probably one of the tops in the, in the conferences or sorry, top of FBS at 20, 19% explosive play rate. So too many of those might put this game out of reach uh, for Mississippi state. Um, ten, that's a big number. Uh, I can see them covering though. So uh, I'm not bet. I wouldn't bet it, but if you make me make a pick, I'm going to take. I'm going to lay the points with LSU. Yeah, I think that's the way to go. I mean, Mississippi State, nice win for them, but they were plus three turnovers, I think, in the first quarter, and we're up fourteen nothing in that game, and still like didn't really have the ability to run away and hide. Um, the crazy thing is just the the huge difference in passing for them so far this year versus um, – stop tapping your finger. Sorry. Sorry, I was trying to pull up the box, box spring. Yeah, I mean, I think the uh, – it's weird because Will Rogers only threw like, I don't know, like seven, eight, ten passes past the line of scrimmage last week. You know, and he led the country in pass attempts for two years in a row and in the air raid. So I'm waiting to see what this offense really is. But Arnett is a defensive guy. I kind of worry for Mississippi State's sake that, you know, he's going to maybe keep the strings a little too tight on his offense until he learns that he can't, you know, but he's going to try and rely on his defense until then. What do yeah, you think I, about uh, – I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was, I was just kind of reiterate what I said. I think it's a big game for LSU. They need to they need to prove some, something to – and get some confidence and uh, get back on the – and I just don't think they're going to mess around with that with that offense that can – has potential to blow the doors off of a lot of teams. And um, I'm just wondering how much defense they can, they can rally around. It's a defensive-led team, but, yeah, I like LSU in that game. Yeah, and if – I mean, the other thing, too, is that if, if they don't win – Brian Kelly's on the hot seat, like immediately. Ooh. Ooh. He is. I mean, he is, dude. If they don't win that game, he is immediately like under fire. Um I personally kind of almost and I like Jaden Daniels. I don't have anything like I don't have a problem with the kid at all, but I almost feel like the best thing for LSU's season would be for them to uh struggle enough on offense this this week to to go to Nussmeyer and then they just get the bombs away treatment for the rest of the year because I, I think he's an elite passer on a level that Daniels is not. And I think that could really raise their ceiling. But something is going to have to happen to make that go down. Um, 
Washington and Michigan State. Washington's a 16.5 point favorite. Uh, Michigan State, we are not going to talk about anything that's going on at Michigan State on this show. That is not what we do here. But um, I'm just here to say I think Washington is one of, I mean, I think they've been elite through two weeks. I predicted them to make the playoffs in the offseason. I'm standing by it. That offense is hell on wheels. Their defense is playing much better in the back end than they did last year, obviously against not great opponents, but I don't think Michigan State's quarterback's worth a damn either, you know? So uh, I'm laying 16 and a half with Washington, and I'm going to sleep well at night doing it. Yeah, I'd tell you on that for sure. It's, it is on the road, but uh, Washington looks like a team – uh, that is going to make a lot of statements. I mean, they're mm. scoring 50 a game at this point. Uh, <laughs> nearly 60% success rate on offense and a .555 total EPA. Uh, that That's not sustainable um, unless you're 2019 LSU, but um, which they might be for all we know. But, um, yeah, yeah, they're, they're not going to mess around with a, a wounded, wounded animal in Michigan State and they'll blow the doors off of them. Yeah, you know, another game that I – I have a weird feeling about is uh, tell me, you'll probably tell me I'm wrong here from a statistics standpoint is my initial reaction to these heat maps, but Indiana played Ohio state like pretty well. And I don't know. I mean, Louisville just kind of has like a long history of sort of like crap in the bed and situations where they should win. They're a 10 point favorite, but they got to go on the road to Bloomington. Uh, I don't know that I think Indiana can win the game outright, but I think they can make it a slop fest and maybe cover. Yeah, I mean that's what it would have to be. It would have to be a sloppy game, for, you know, the Louisville team um, because you can see up there top right in that offensive heat map up there. They're up there, um, mm-hmm. you know, fifty five percent success rate, point five four five nine EPA. So um, yeah, they're they're. A much better offense than than Indiana could muster on its best day, so yeah, they're gonna have to make it sloppy on defense. I'm not sure I'd lay ten on the road, but I think Louisville gets out of there with a win. Yeah, I, I think that's probably the right analysis. Um, game I'm fascinated in again, sicko mode, but uh, probably some some gambling opportunity here, um, buddy. What about Iowa? Uh, Damn it, wrong Iowa. Hold on. Just hit it again. I got it. There we go. Damn. Look at that, dude. This PDF is awesome. (laughs) Um, Western Michigan, Iowa. They're right on top of each other on this heat map, okay? Uh, We know that Kirk Ferentz is on the drive for 25 every week. He's got to score 25 points a week to not get fired. Uh, nepotism is an incredible thing. And I, you know, really enjoy watching it play out publicly, but, uh, I was a 28 and a half point favorite, bro. Okay. These dudes ain't scored 28 and a half points against anybody since I think Nevada of last year off the top of my head, but I'm going to check right now. Like, tell me why I shouldn't lay 28 and a half. You should take 28. You take the 28. Why shouldn't I I take Western Michigan? Um, Iowa, they scored. Off, this could be a shutout. It's the only thing. It could. It could be a shutout. It could. Uh, that, Western Michigan is not a great offense. Um, Counterpoint. 
I was also like very prone to playing very close games against teams like this. They played South Dakota State to a seven to three game in their opener <laughs> last year. Uh, they okay, I was wrong. They did not score twenty eight against Nevada last year. They scored twenty seven. They beat Nevada twenty seven nothing. Uh, the last time that Iowa eclipsed the twenty eight point mark was against Northwestern last year. And that Northwestern team was terrible. Other than that, they did not score 28 points all season. They have a negative EPA running the ball. <clears throat> um, it's really incredible, honestly, man. No, I, I, tw- yeah, I mean, the only reason is just the yeah, 27, 24 nothing game. But what's the total? You have a total there anywhere? The total 30, is 30? uh <laughs> no, it's got to be thirty three. It's forty two. Oh, I'm on 42. that under all day. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. they're saying they're saying that that Western Michigan will be able to run the move the ball and score. Um, I don't think either team is going to be able to really move the ball and score. So I'll take the the chances that one of them won't be able to because Vegas seems to be giving me that. Yeah, twenty eight and a half in the hook. Vegas must think that Iowa's offense is better than it's shown so far. Yeah, clearly. Yeah, that's got to be what it is. Um, yeah, I mean, the only thing is, like you said, I mean, that's that drive for twenty five, and they need they need they need to get some over twenty fives. This might be the, the the game to do it in. It might. It I don't think might. I could. I don't think I could. I don't think I could put money on this on on this game. It's well, the just... problem with putting money on it is that then you got to watch it, right? So, um, yeah, it is pretty gross. I won't, I won't deny it. Um, do you have an opinion on Tennessee and Florida? I do. Okay, and let's talk I do. It. I do have it. I think that uh, Tennessee is going to win this game, but it's going to be a dog fight, and um, I like the points. Tennessee is favored by six and a half right now. Did uh, it open at seven and a half? Did I have that right? It opened at four and a half, Josh. Okay, okay. Sorry. Which is interesting. No, no, I wasn't like trying to admonish you. It just surprised me. Did it move towards opened. Tennessee? Yeah. Well, did it open at four and a half at all? The look ahead line last week on that game was seven. I looked at it on Saturday afternoon and I had been watching. <laughs> Tennessee Austin P for more time than I care to admit. And uh I consider betting Florida then at Florida's defense is good. It's better. It is good. And uh Florida Tennessee's offense has not now I'm gonna throw out that Austin P game. It's fun to to drag them on Twitter uh for you know that game versus them. But it was I think it was a delay and it was just it was just a mess, messy game. There was three, and then I know that some wide receivers dropped some balls. Lots of uh, drops for them so yeah. far this year. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but I mean, Florida's defense is good. I mean, if they had any offense in Utah, that that game was going to be a toss up. And, well, and and I just think going to the swamp. That's a it's a night game, right? Mm-hmm. Seven o'clock game. Seven o'clock Eastern kickoff. Yeah, I mean, I just I just think that there's there's matchups that 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 can cause on that defense that's going to test Milton. And, um, yeah, I kind of like the points in this. I do too. Um, the over under here is 58 and a half. And I, I, I like that play as well. Um, you know, I think that there's some, some definite 
there's a scenario where this kind of turns into like a 24 to 20 kind of game, you know? Um, I think it, this game could be very similar to the Florida Utah game that we watched a couple weeks ago, to your point. Um, so I'll be watching that and kind of just seeing. Um, another line that we're not going to talk about on a really deep breakdown analysis thing, but a line that kind of stunk to me was South Alabama plus seven and a half on the road at Oklahoma state. Uh, that might be worth a money line sprinkle. I'll just put it out there. Yeah. I saw, I saw some betters, uh, some pro betters um, uh, like that. That's like a three point miss by Vegas mm. on a couple, on a couple little odds that I get. So Ed, nice. Ed, Ed, the power rank Ed thing. South Al's got a good staff, a good team. They're a veteran group. They will not be afraid of going into Stillwater, in my opinion. Um, any opinions on Georgia Tech Ole Miss? Um, Georgia Tech's offense is, is playing better than it has in many years. Uh, if uh-huh. you bring up that heat map, you're going to see they're way up in there in offensive efficiency. Over Who did they play last week? South Carolina State. So, um, Okay. Well, they played uh, really well on offense against Louisville, too. Yeah, they did. For and then they they kind of lost their identity there for the, an unfortunate period there in the second half. But um, I think that I think it'll be interesting. This will be an interesting game. I, I I think I would probably not bet against Ole Miss in this game, but I'm very curious to see if that Georgia Tech offense is for real because um, Ole Miss's defense is playing fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not a superb or what I expect to be a superb defense. So, right. I mean, if, if Georgia Tech can get some points, I mean, and just have a in one of those moral victories, um, I, I might be a believer in in what Brent Key's building over there. But um, I think just the Ole Miss offense is, is, is stupid good right now. So Yeah. I mean, I, I know Ole Miss has all these weapons, and but, I mean, they really didn't impress me that much against Tulane. You know, like Mm -hmm. they did not really create explosives, move the ball with a lot of efficiency in the red zone. They're given 18 points in this game. That's a lot. That's a lot of points, yeah. I think I need to do a little more research, truthfully, before I would lay it on my sheet, but I I will call that Georgia Tech plus 18 is definitely a lean for me. Um. Trying to see, is there any other games you're interested in talking about? Um, no, I think I think you covered it. The one I'm really excited for is the uh, the Tennessee game. Uh, you know, okay. it's kind of fun to have Tennessee and Florida mean something uh, a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, it is. I agree. Um, and and a night game at the swamp. Hopefully, as we'll be nursing our uh, afternoon and evening beers from a Georgia South Carolina victory. Um. Yeah, I'm just uh, screwed up my. I was looking at the old Miss Tulane box score and I screwed up the red zone opportunities there, so I won't be able to talk about that. No worries. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a, it was a it was a pedestrian offensive performance there. So yeah, there'd be like just to put a pin on uh, put a cap on that game. Yeah, eighteen's a half a lot a lot of points, but I just I'm very curious about that. Sorry, I'm all over the place. So that's okay. Um, yeah, you know it is. One one game that's also on my radar, uh, just because Texas is kind of recent history, um, is 
Wyoming going on the road to Texas. Uh, you know, I, I think 28 and a half is a lot of points in this game. Wyoming is a very, very good G5 team, as you can see on these heat maps. Uh, you know, they're, those, those two logos aren't very far apart from each other. And I know that the, the roster talent is very far apart, but Wyoming just beat Texas Tech in Laramie a, a couple of weeks ago, and they did that in a game that was, like, very much a line of scrimmage game. It was not a fluky win. Like, they, you know, shut down their run. They, they played really well. Uh, I don't think they got a shot of pulling off the upset outright, but I'm going to lay the 28 and a half and trust Craig Bowl. And I think that Texas, you know, big game last week. Guys are a little worn out, maybe not super focused and fired up to play this one. Probably some guys dinged up from a physical game against Bama. They'll, they'll try to get out healthy, keep this game short. Yeah, they'll keep it short, and they want to improve on those rushing stats. They want to be able to run the ball. So that could lend itself to, uh, uh, you know, get out early. Less and, possessions. Yeah, less possessions and stuff. And maybe they don't. If, if, if Wyoming can figure out a way to score seven or ten points, I can see that, you know, them covering For in sure. that game there. Um, I am on uh, Arizona minus 18 versus UTEP. Any team that gets blown out of the water by Northwestern is a automatic fade for the rest of 2023 for me. Um, UTEP played absolutely horrid football last week. It was a crime against humanity. Losing a football game to Northwestern by 31 points is something that nobody should ever do in the year 2023. So – uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take I'm gonna bear down, baby. Second week in a row, they they covered against Mississippi State for me last week, and uh, I think they're gonna cover for me again. Um, quick shout out because you guys know that. Uh, well, you might not know, but your boy here went to the New Mexico Bowl last year. I live out here in the Four Corners, land of enchantment, very close to my heart. We got the New Mexico State New Mexico matchup. Uh, 6 p.m. Mountain Daylight Time on Saturday afternoon, evening, I should say. Uh, coming to you live from Albuquerque. No idea what's going to happen. Uh, New Mexico is a one-point favorite. Uh, I have personally adopted the Aggies as my New Mexico flavor of football. Uh, so I'm hoping the high-flying Diego Pavia and the rest of uh, Jerry Kill's boys can pull that off. So uh, – I, you know, I'm not going to bet any of my own money on it, but uh, on a kind of crappy slate weekend. Uh, I'm assuming you've already used some home down, uh, home field discounts on some Aggie gear. You know what? Uh, thank you for prompting that. We are sponsored by Home Field Apparel. Uh, we had their ticker up a little earlier in the show. If you were uh, watching on YouTube, you saw it. But if you weren't, then I should tell you about how they have the best throwback collegiate apparel of anyone out there um just really great stuff i'm wearing one of their shirts right now they're soft they're cozy they're comfortable uh my wife continues to steal a lot of the things that home field has sent me so i probably need to buy some new mexico state gear so that i can have some for my myself to wear um yeah, I mean, honestly, the, the thing that I, I often say is, like, please support the people that support us. Um, Amen. Yeah, you know, we're uh, we're out here, independent media outlet, scrapping along, putting out a lot of content. 
and, you know, trying to, trying to make this thing happen and making it happen. So um, that is happening in part thanks to partners like Homefield. So um, use code DOGCENTRAL23, D-A-W-G-S, Central23, for 20% off on homefieldapparel.com. They've done uh, a, a cool UGA drop recently. And, uh, you know, I'm also like a big fan of if, if you got a wagon that you ride as a gambler, like Ohio was for a lot of people in, you know, October, November of last year, like you should buy some of their shit, quite frankly. You know? Yeah. Montana like, State Bobcat guy this year. There That's you me. go. I love it. They, yeah. I, I mean, it, it makes the sport much richer if you pull for not just, you know, your own team, but also some teams that play in a little different league or uh, in a different region of the country. And, you know, who knows? Maybe you'll end up taking a road trip to watch Wyoming play one one week in your life or something like that. It it would be cool. Enjoy all the flavors of college football because there's, there's like 130-something of them instead of just 32. Um, yeah. And speaking of home field apparel, uh, I did just, uh, get permission to announce today on the show that we will be doing a live, uh, event with those guys in Athens, the Friday night before homecoming, which is the Missouri game. Um, we'll be at the foundry hotel from five until 10 ish PM. Uh, there will be free alcohol there. And we'll be doing like a live panel type discussion for an hour or so. Uh, and that will include Q and a, and they'll obviously be selling plenty of Georgia gear. Um, come, you know, I'll put out the details soon on Twitter and obviously on dog central, but uh, there's only going to be about 250 seats for the, you know, the, the show portion of that. And uh, that they'll be free and they'll come with free booze, but you, you got to make sure you get a ticket uh before they all get snapped up so keep your eyes peeled for that if you're on the dog central subscriber crew then you'll obviously see that pinned to the top of the forum as as soon as i'm allowed to put all the links and stuff out there awesome thank you graham yeah thank you man um last question for you any uh what was I going to ask you about? Oh, Colorado State, Colorado. Uh, buffs are buffs are favored by twenty four. It's kind of a big deal out here in my neck of the woods. Uh, yeah, Rocky I, Mountain Showdown. I, I um, you know, I couldn't like many. I was totally wrong on Colorado this far. It'll be interesting if you're looking at it from metrics and gambling, all that sort of stuff. If you know people can't adjust their models quick enough for. Um, for Colorado. So I think a lot of people are hoping that Colorado destroys Colorado state and that it makes good numbers for the Oregon USC side the weeks following. So uh, that's, that's the, uh, that's my friends on the uh, deep dive D gens discord server are really hoping for uh, that because they're still waiting for a little bit of that air to come out of that balloon, I think. So, but yeah, it's got to come back to earth some way at some point. Yeah. And Colorado State's not good, right? Uh, I got that right. They're terrible. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> exactly. Washington State. They were like a ten-point underdog against Washington State, which was like a popular pick, or maybe it was like six even opening weekend, and they got just blown out of the water. That's a program that continues to have a ton of potential, like, but they never actually have 
been good in the last. Well, if years. maybe if Dion starts pulling all these players from all over the country, that maybe some some local talent can come home and uh, maybe. That's very much of it, though, out here. <laughs> um, yeah, so. there's that. <laughs> yeah, sparse populated part of the world. Um, yeah, thank you guys. Too- for- I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say they were 2-11 and 11 with Colorado players. Yeah, exactly. Yeah they, yeah, they need to find a way to recruit Florida out in uh, Colorado's – or in Fort Collins, I should say. Um, all right, buddy, thanks for doing this. Uh, guys, go follow Josh on Twitter at DogStats. Uh, no longer an underscore in his name, just D-A-W-G stats. Very simple, straightforward. Uh, come check out the stuff that he's doing on the Dog Central Forum. It's awesome, and uh, it's it's gorgeous, as you can see with these heat maps. And if you like to bet on college football, if you like to consider what's happening in Las Vegas around college football, um, checking out his stuff is really, really worth your time, and uh, it definitely is something that I use to inform some of my decision-making on uh, my picks every weekend. So – Josh, thanks for everything that you do for us and for the people. And uh, go dogs, man. Go dogs.